jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Dungy! Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. We welcome you back live to the great New York State Fair. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. We're going to talk some SU football today. Our good friend Nate Mink from Syracuse.com and the Post Standard will join us in about a half hour from now, one week away from the season opener on the road at Western Michigan. And since we didn't have a show yesterday, we also, we're going to talk some Urban Meyer today. Urban Meyer suspended three games by Ohio State. I have some thoughts on that. I'm sure you have some thoughts on that, Seth. Absolutely. And again, if you have some thoughts at home, give us a call. You can also text us 315-288-0644. Beautiful day it out is here so nice at out. the State Fair. Uh, a far cry from what we saw on Wednesday when we got things going. It was windy. It was cold. It was raining. Uh, I don't know if it was cold. It was chilly. It was chilly. Uh, today I is beautiful. Used, I could have used a hoodie at times. I, I felt like I was a little chilly. It's like 80 degrees. The sun is shining. No wind. It is, if anything, it's a touch toasty out here, but we're under a tent. We have some shade. On Wednesday, we needed the tent because of the rain. Today, right. we need the tent because it's really sunny out, and we don't want the sun on our on our faces and computers the whole time, right? If you happen to be stopping out to the fair, come on by. Say hello. I'll be out here until 630. I know you're going to be out here uh, until 2 o'clock every weekday uh, that we're broadcasting live. But again, we're right across from Chevy Court, right outside of the Dairy Building. Are you and signing autographs? Again today? Uh, sports with you. Um, I don't know if I'm officially. You did the other day. I did the other day. I don't know if I'm officially on the autograph uh, schedule, but sometimes I just kind of go and chit chat with people. And gotcha. Listen, if you want my autograph, be happy to give it to you. I, I don't know how many people are, are dying for. A I Stephen asked for Fonte yours. You didn't give it to me. Yeah, because you were kidding. <laughs> you were kidding. But I do like to talk sports with people, and you know, this time of year we're talking a lot of SU football. I get the same question: How's SU going to be this year? Yes, and I give them the same answer. I think if they stay healthy, they're going to a bowl game. And I've said that on the show. I think if Eric Dungy starts all 12 games, this team's going to a bowl game. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk a lot of SU football on the show today, the opener, one week from today. Do you think we we know anything different about this team today than when we first returned to the air after our hiatus, whatever day that was, August 6th? We know anything differently on August 24th than we knew on August 6th? I don't think so. I don't think we do. Right? I mean, I'm not sure what what you think, but I don't think we know anything too different. I mean, we know that they're playing a 4-2-5 instead of a 4-3. Is that is that a big enough difference to, to know? Something. Uh, I mean, we know Eric Dungy's the starting quarterback. Do we? Uh, yes. Yes, I know we, we, do. We, we know. We, we do. know we know. We know uh, we know. We just Dino Babers doesn't want us to know. Yes. We know that Dino doesn't want us to know to continue that confusing line of 
saying no too many times. I don't. I don't think there's anything that we know now that we didn't know three weeks ago. I, I really don't. I, I, I like look at what this team is. You know, right? You know what is there. You 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 expect a fast-paced offense. You expect a defense that might give up yards and points, but you don't really. You, you're not really sure. Uh, we still don't know who's taking a hold of the wide receiver position. We still don't know who's taking a hold of the linebacker position, right? Like we, we still don't. The, the questions that we had three and a half weeks ago are questions that we still have now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think you believe that the quarterback competition was a little closer than we thought it I was think going so. to be. I think so. And by Dino Babers saying he's not going to name his starter publicly, uh, to me that indicates maybe it was a little closer than we thought it was going to be. Uh, again. Eric Dungy's the starter. He's going to be the starter until further notice. I agree. But I, I think we can read into it and say Tommy DeVito is ready should they need to go to him. They feel yes. comfortable. Well, yes. And, and I think that's something that we've talked about over the, the, the last three and a half weeks to a month that we've been back on the air, Steve, is I feel a lot more comfortable with this team this year if they were to lose Eric Dungy than I did with them last year or the year before when it was Austin Wilson and Zach Mahoney and, and Rex Culpepper and, and whoever else was coming in. And it's it's nothing against those guys uh, specifically. I mean, Zach Mahoney in moments had great moments, right? He had a great second half against Pittsburgh. He had a great first half in the Dome against Wake Forest. That doesn't mean I want him starting six games for me at quarterback. So I, I look at that and I say, you know what? I feel better if Tommy DeVito were, ha- were going to have to get those three or four starts than I do if it's any of the people who have over the last two years. I was thinking about this as I was uh, walking over to our broadcast location today from, from the parking lot. And I was thinking about, you know, why is this year going to be different? Because we've seen three straight four and eight campaigns. So why... Should I expect, you expect, our fans at home expect this to be 6-6 six and six in a bowl game or, or something along those lines or, or something better than 4-8? and eight. And I started going position by position. I want to see if you agree with me on this. So if you were to do, you know, arrow up, arrow down, position by position from last year to this year. Okay. Quarterback group, arrow up or arrow down? Arrow up. Absolutely. Uh, running back group. I think or it's the same, same. isn't okay. it? Yeah, I think okay. it's the same. It's the same, and I would say that it's the same with the potential to arrow up because sure. there are some younger guys that we don't really know what they can do, but right. it's certainly not going to go the other direction. I wouldn't think so. Because you got everybody back uh, at that position group. Uh, wide receivers? I think it's probably down. Yes, right? okay, I would I agree with that. Down. I would agree with that, arrow down. Just, But again, that's the unknown. That's because we don't know. Like at, le- at least last year when, when there was the unknown with Amba Etatawo not being there, at least we knew the guys who were going to fill his spot, right? Like at least we knew, oh, it's probably Steve Ishmael. Steve Ishmael has been a good productive receiver for three years at this program. Uh, we don't know who is taking that spot now because there's not anybody on the roster who, who has really produced Right, we we've seen in glimpses last year Devin Butler. We know he's got his issues, but we saw like in bits and pieces that maybe he's a good receiver. Uh, I, I think that Jamal Custis is a guy who's like oozing potential since the minute he stepped on campus, but he hasn't stayed healthy and he's been ineffective when he has been. So that's why I say down. Like, sure, it could be even or the, or or better, but we don't we don't know that guy. 
And it's the right answer. It's it's arrow down, and that's not a knock against Devin Butler and Jamal Custis in that group this year. That's just saying Steve Ishmael and Irv Phillips are going to be hard to replace. Yes. So you knew what you had in, in those guys. We saw how they performed. I mean, they were you know top three in the country uh, in they terms put of up, catches and they yards. They put up some and, of the most productive seasons in Syracuse right. football history. So, again, it's not a knock against the current group. It's just saying the guys last year had an amazing year. It's going to be hard to replace them. So the right answer is arrow down there. Uh, offensive line, arrow up. Yes, agreed. So you've got you've got six guys for five positions. You got more than six guys. You've got seven guys seven. for five positions. And, and so and so that's my point with the offense is that it's trending upward. The quarterbacks are up. I, I think you could make the case that the running backs are trending in the right direction. Everybody's back, so you would think that those guys are going to be better. Plus, right. you've got some newcomers, and your offensive line is better. The one area of quote-unquote concern is receivers, but you think, well, the system that they have and, and the talent that they have, they'll figure it out. So that's on offense. On defense, defensive line. I think arrow up. Okay. Defensive backs. I think arrow up. Yes. Based on what Antoine Cordy and some of the other defensive backs are saying, I will go arrow up. And so linebackers obviously arrow down, down because everybody right. left. So on both sides of the ball, you have more arrows up. You yes. have more you know, position groups trending in the right direction than you do not on both sides of the ball. So when people say to me, you know, why is this year going to be different? Why should I expect anything other than 4-8? and eight? The schedule is still difficult. Yeah, the schedule is still difficult. But as we've talked about, you know, there's not – Virginia Tech on the schedule this year. There's not Miami on the schedule this year. You no. get North Carolina. And, yeah, LSU's replaced with Notre Dame. And I know it's, it's, a, it's a comparable schedule to a year ago, but it does seem a little more manageable. And I think the team is getting better. And, again, you go position by position, group by group. It looks like this team should be better. And, to me, that should translate. If everybody can stay healthy, and by everybody I mean the quarterback, if the quarterback can right. stay healthy, and, and they're not ravaged by injuries, I think that should translate into two more wins than a year ago. I think it very easily could. And, and again, I've made this point, and not to jump ahead too much, but what you just outlined is why next year's the big year, right? Like what, what you just outlined of things are already trending up, and oh, by the way, the schedule this year is more manageable than the schedule last year. Well, look at the schedule yeah. next year. When your hardest you non-conference no- game one is Maryland, win. Right. and your and your your three quote unquote toss up games in conference in Pitt, Wake, and BC all come back to the dome. So, like this year is going to be better than last year, I think. Right? Like I, everything points to this year being better than last year. But with everything that we just outline and everything trending up in the right direction, next year is supposed to be. I think the year that it really jumps off, right, where it really takes off. Well, the big caveat with that is you don't have Eric Dungy anymore, and we assume Tommy DeVito is ready to, to shoulder the load and shoulder the responsibility, and he looks the part. You never quite know, though, right, until right. somebody gets out there. So that's the one thing I would say about next year is that theoretically, if this year goes the way I think this year is going to go, then next year you are breaking in a new quarterback. DeVito's going to get snaps this year. We know that. He's going to have some experience, but in terms of true starting experience or crunch time game situation experience against top-notch competition. You know, is right. Tommy DeVito going to play in the fourth quarter against Clemson if it's a, Maybe. you know, a seven-point game? Oh, no. He might play in the fourth quarter of the game right. against if Clemson it's a anyway. Right. He's I'm not saying, playing if it's a close game. I'm saying crunch time. I'm no. saying if it's a close game, you know, against Florida State or Clemson, like, is he going to get second-half reps? I don't know the answer to that. Again, assuming Eric Dungy is healthy. If it plays out the way I think it's going to play out, Dungy's going to get a majority of the snaps this year. The starts as, as long as he's healthy. DeVito will get some experience, but that's the one thing about next 
next year when you say that it's it's building towards something you know even better next year and i agree with you it's it's sound reasoning i'm just saying you you don't completely know what you've got in tommy devito and i think we do know what this program has in eric dungy and it's something pretty special yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've seen Eric Dungy for three years. It's a lot like that conversation about the wide receivers, right? Like last year, even though you were replacing a, a receiver who went and had a great year, you knew what you were replacing him with. This year, you don't. You know, this year you're getting your quarterback back. And yeah, he, he, he didn't play three games at the end of last season, but you know what he is, right? Like, you know how good Eric Dungy is. The question for, for following that becomes, okay, you're replacing him and you think this guy is good, but you've never seen him before. Yeah, I, I think they have a, a very good opportunity this year to, to turn that corner. We keep talking about, you know, when are they going to turn the corner? I think 6-6 six and six in a bowl game this year means turning the corner because, to your point, Seth, I do think next year is set up for 6-6 six and six and beyond, assuming Tommy DeVito is, is what we think Tommy DeVito yeah. is. And, you know, Dino Babers has said all along, once we get this thing right, once we do turn that proverbial corner, we're not going back. And it seems like they're only going to be able to build upon this going into next season. 315-437-7644. We need to take our first time out. Again, Nate Mink from Syracuse.com and the Post Standards set to join us in about 15 minutes from now. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore, coming to you live from the great New York State Fair, right across from Chevy Court, next to the Dairy Building, 315-437-7644, if you'd like to check in. You never quite know what you're going to see or do at the great New York State Fair, especially when you're working for a television station, because there's a lot going on. Right. Uh, do you know what my assignment is tonight? I mean, I, I heard you say it when we were so here you did hear the news. It. Yeah. I will be curling. I will be getting am, a personal curling lesson on the air live at 5 o'clock tonight. I'm really jealous. I'm looking forward to I'm it. I'm really jealous. I've wanted to go curling for a really long time. I've never known where you can do these things. And I walked into the Expo Center today. I, I, I went into a different entrance today. So I, I came into the, the fair at a different spot than I did yesterday. And I, I wound up on the other side of the Expo Center, which is pretty far from where we are. And so I walked inside, and I was just kind of, like, checking it out. And I saw that there were curling lessons. Um, I think there's one, like, now, but obviously I'm, I'm here, so I couldn't do it. And then the other ones were too late, and I had to be back at the office. I'm really, I, I was really disappointed I missed out. Yeah, so they're going to start back up at 6 o'clock tonight, uh, but they are going to give me, like, a private lesson at 5 so we can do a little promotion with the with the event and whatnot. It's the, the Utica Curling Club. So if you if you really want to get involved with I do. curling, I, I think you just, need, you just need to drive to Utica. Okay. And then you can get involved. Well, next um, time I'm out there, I'll, I'll stop by. We, uh, we've all watched curling. But that's uh, why I wanted to do it. You know, I... I uh, I, I interned at the Olympics in 2014. Like I, I went to Russia, and I was working at the speed skating arena, and the speed skating arena and the the curling arena shared like a TV compound. So I worked with the curling people a lot, and I like finally learned what it was, and I learned how you kept score, and I was like, I want to go do this, and for. Four plus years, I, I have not gone. So this may be a good question for you. Then, uh, as I was about to say, like we've all seen this on TV, we've all watched. You've apparently seen it in person, but we all watch it on TV. The the Winter Olympics, and we've seen the event. It looks easy. 
Yeah. I, I would imagine it's not. I, I would imagine it it's more difficult than it looks. But you having seen it up close and personal, do you have any tips for me? No. So I don't look like an not idiot on the news tonight? Not at all. <laughs> no, you're a lot <laughs> I don't of help. have. I don't have any tips. I, I've never gone. I, I the, look. The only thing I know is I sat down with the analyst and he taught me how to how to keep score because we were we were watching and and we saw it on TV and we saw it in person and we were like we have no idea what any of this means. Like we have we have no idea how you score. We have no idea how you decide who gets to throw. And so the guy sat down with us for like fifteen minutes and told us how to score. That was it. All right, you gonna be watching tonight? Yeah. All right, I'll pop it on in, in studio. All right, I hope I don't make a fool out of myself, but I am looking forward to that. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Scooter in Jamesville kicking us off today on Orange Nation. Hey, Scooter. Hey, guys. Um, I think when it comes to Syracuse, it's the ceiling. The way, the, you know, the, unfortunately, the other side of the, uh, the, the the conference, I think every team's participated in, in the championship game probably in the last 10 years, including Duke, Georgia Tech. And, that, and that's an unfortunate situation where we actually landed. That's, you know, can't do anything about it, but you just look at that side and as an orange fan, just you know, just kind of, you know, kind of rolling your eyes and saying, "Yeah, we're over there. We have a legit shot every year, at least once in a while, to, to do it." Because it looks like we have to almost be Florida State and Clemson in the same year uh, to actually actually to represent us on this side of the conference. But you know, I, I disagree a little bit. I rather play the 50-50 games on the road. And take my chances with the stronger part of our schedule at home. And this is this is the year. It's this way it looks like the schedule goes. You know, we play Louisville home. I think Florida State's ripe for an upset. I think new coach. You know, a lot of you know one thing. You know, one thing Central Florida and the South Florida has done. You know, this look last year. They kind of stripped Florida State of some of their depth. I mean, if you really look at last year's game, we actually had better athletes at certain positions. We had the better quarterback, better receiver, the better linebacker. And just look like that. Basically, if Florida State could have some troubles when they get a little uh, injury prone too, because I just I just don't think they're getting the, the same the same amount of quality athletes. Because there's other teams in Florida that are actually playing well. And I think this year, if I look at the schedule, I think we got one game Clemson. Is, I think no way we're going to win that one, especially since we upset them. I think we got two legit wins in Wagner and Connecticut. So the so it comes down to nine games. Four of those, you know, four to nine, we have to win. But I think at home, you know, this is this is the year we have to take, you know, take advantage of it when we have we have the Florida State and the Louisville's at home because next year, even though we play the 50-50 games at home, that means we have to go at Louisville, at Florida State, and Clemson comes here. So you're almost looking at almost like a three losses to start the season when you play these teams on the road. Yeah, and I understand the the point, Scooter, and it's a good one. I would say this: it, it kind of depends on what position your program is in. If you were trying to contend for a division title, then then I would tend to agree with you and say you want, you know, the Clemsons and the Florida States at, at home and then the toss-up games on the road. Where Syracuse is right now, trying to, you know, scratch and claw its way to six wins in a bowl you game. You want the easier I would, games at I home. I would prefer to yeah. get the toss-up games at home and then kind of, you know, take that step as a program. Right. And then you can work on, you know, the, the bigger things down the road. Because if you're capable of beating Florida State and Clemson at home, then, you're, yes, you're certainly capable of beating NC State and Wake Forest down the road. I just it's it's not going to happen overnight, and so right. I I think it's like I understand I, Scooter's I liked, point. Like his his jet, like his point made a lot of sense, and like ultimately, yes, you're right. You know what? Once you've built yourself up to be consistently 
six, seven wins, whatever you're at, eight wins, however many you're at, that's when you don't care. That's when you want those games on the road and don't really care where those games are. And then you want to pull the upsets at home or, or, you know, play play what you think are the tougher teams at home. So, yes, the overall poll made sense. I also think Scooter hit on something with the Florida schools that is really interesting uh, because, yes, we saw under Willie Taggart, USF really bounce back um, before Willie Taggart left and then is now at Florida State. We've seen Central Florida really bounce recently. FAU with Lane Kiffin is really bouncing. And, and they're, they're taking this talent. And how long did we talk about it with Syracuse? Go down to Florida and, and recruit some of these kids because now you're playing in this footprint. And I know that was a big deal um, when they first moved to the ACC. Hey, you're now playing in the in the ACC footprint. Go get kids from Florida. Well, the Florida schools are doing that. And to Scooter's point, like they are taking talent away from Florida State a little bit. You know, last year we saw it. DeAndre Francois goes down. That team fell apart. You know, that team really fell apart once their quarterback got hurt. Uh, so that is stripping them of their depth a little bit. And, and I do want to agree with a, another point that Scooter brought up. He said aside from Clemson at Clemson this year, you know, that he, he assumes will be a loss. I think we all assume it will be a loss. But, again, I think you can make a case for any of the other 11. It's not sure. like last year when you went into the season you said, well, they're, they're not going to win, you know, these five games. And we turned out to be wrong, by the way. LSU was a lot closer than we thought. Miami, Florida State, so on and so forth. And, so and they I, beat Clemson. Right, and they beat Clemson. <laughs> so it just goes to show you, like, th- this program has at least taken that step that you can't before the season say these games are unwinnable. I, I would consider Clemson as close to unwinnable as possible at Clemson this year. Um, but, yeah, I agree with Scooter. I think everything else is on the table. And, and that's why one of the many reasons why I think 6-6 six and six is very, very doable for this team this year. 315-437-7644. We're going to take another timeout. Nate Mink. From Syracuse.com and the Post Standard joins us next. Stephen Seth back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. Phone lines open the rest of the way. And if you have any advice for me on proper curling technique, I will take your tips. I will be curling tonight on the news uh, sometime between 5 and 5.30, I'm told. Very much looking forward to that over at the new Expo Center, but we continue the sports talk to, uh, we got to get to something we did not get to yesterday since we did not have a show uh, because of the Mets game. The Urban Meyer news came down on Wednesday after we left the air. Uh, Ohio State suspending Urban Meyer three games. He'll miss the first three games uh, without pay. Uh, I say not enough. Uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I believe you say not, not enough. enough. Not enough, no. I think it Disappointing, but not unexpected. Correct. I, I think is the the big the big picture thing. They here took the for easy me. way out. They took the easy way. Well, the easy way out would have been not suspending him at all. But yes, they they took uh, they took an that. easy way out. I disagree with that because uh, they would have gotten too much blowback. They would have got crushed. They would have okay. gotten crushed if they if they fired him. They would have gotten crushed by their fan base if they did nothing or said, you know, time served. We were going to suspend him, but he's already sat out the last two weeks, so he's fine for the opener. Right. They would have got crushed by everybody else. Well, but see, here's the thing with the suspension, and I, I don't really get it. He's suspended for three weeks, but he's allowed to start coaching the team again, just not just on game day, can't coach the games. on Monday. Right. right, like uh, a, a week from Monday. It's so, lame. So after Labor, uh, on Labor Day, he's allowed to go back and coach his team. So basically he's suspended for three weeks for three game days because he's been suspended for the last two weeks and this coming week. So he's allowed to go back to work but not on game days. It, it's a very weak punishment. It's a very disappointing punishment to me. And uh, it, it just it reinforces this position that I've, I've repeated with this Urban Meyer thing. You win games, you're good. 
I mean, you win games, you get thrown on a pedestal, you're not going to get fired. You have to do something really awful and be at a certain point in your life and career to get fired. And it was an interesting tweet that I saw. And I don't know how applicable it is, but it made you think. It made me think about it a little bit. And the tweet basically said, "You have to wonder what would have happened at Penn State had Joe Paterno been 54 years old, right? What if, what if instead of being 80 something, he was 50 something? And and how does that get treated differently? Because that's what we're in with Urban Meyer, right? Urban Meyer just had a major thing go wrong, had a a borderline cover up, is is has a 23 page report." being released about how incompetent he is and how he has memory loss issues and how he deleted text messages and it lays out a case to fire him and they don't fire him and they do everything in their power to not have to get rid of him because he wins a lot of football games like it's it it just goes to show if you win a lot of football games and you bring in a lot of money to your university you're safe, and it doesn't matter what else goes on in your program. Yeah, I, I can't say is that I'm I'm surprised how Ohio State handled it. I was I was hoping that they would do better. I was hoping that they would do the right thing, but I, I firmly believe they took the easy way out because they looked at it and they said, you know, what's what punishment can we give him where we get the least amount of pushback? And if they had fired him, obviously their fans, a majority of their fans, would have been very upset. I mean, that was clear. There were petitions going around trying to save his job. Uh, if they had done nothing and they said, you know what, you can come back to work for the opener. It will, we were going to suspend you, but we'll, we'll chalk it up to time served. You, you're good to go for the opener. Uh, you know, that wouldn't have looked great around the country for obvious reasons. And so they said, all right, let's. Let's suspend him for a few games. But as you said, they didn't even suspend him for several weeks. They suspended him for just game day. Game day. So he can get him ready to go. He's just not going to be there on game day. It's it, it was the easy way out for Ohio State. And, you know, you talk about, you know, past examples of, of people getting suspended in college football. You know, everybody's been talking about Todd Gurley getting the, the four-game suspension for, you know, Terrell accepting Pryor money for signing five autographs. Games Terrell for selling Pryor. his own stuff. That's right. Five games and and <laughs> at that he's selling his stuff and and you know in exchange for for free tattoos. Right. You know the At that university. That's why that right, one comes same up. Same university. The the nine football players at at North Carolina they got four games this year for selling their sneakers. Yep. Uh, and accepting money and and Urban Meyer gets three games for mishandling domestic violence. I mean, he he, domestic, you know, domestic violence allegations, very serious allegations that, oh, by the way, date all the way back to 2009. And then he hired this guy again at Ohio State. It happened again. And then he waited three years to get rid of him until it went public. And again, how not only does Urban Meyer have his job, how has the athletic director survived? How in the world has he survived when he came out and said he didn't know about what happened with Zach Smith in 2009 when they hired him. How in the world do you keep your job? And he's now made it through both of these things. He's made it through the Terrell Pryor and teammates tattoo NCAA infraction scandal, which banned them from bowl games, put them on probation, and really set that program back. And he's made it through that, and now he's made it through this. How does he still have a job? Because they're tied together. And as you said, everything that applies to Urban Meyer applies to Gene Smith, the athletic director there, and they win a lot of football games. Urban Meyer's been the head coach there seven years. He's lost a grand total of eight games, and he's won a national title uh, within the last five years. And so, unfortunately, that's the way it works in major college athletics these days, and you you said it perfectly a moment ago. You win a lot of football games, they're going to keep you around. And, And those two are tied together. And... 
it's it, it's unfortunate because I, I thought Ohio State had a chance to do the right thing. And they could have. And they chose not to. They chose to take the easy way out. They could have done the right thing. They could have taken a stand. They could have said, you know what, we're sick and tired of this. And you know what, look at our track record. We fired uh, legitimate Hall of Fame legendary coaches before, and we're going to do it again. And they could have stood up and done that. And and as you said, they took a very they, they took an easy way out. And I mean, what's to make you think that it's not going to happen again? Maybe not something to this extent, but look at Urban Meyer's past. Look at what he has had in his programs. When he was at Florida, he his players were getting arrested left and right. His players were failing drug tests left and right. He had bad character players. He knew of bad characters that he was bringing into his program, but it didn't matter because he won, right? And he took off this time, and he said, you know what? I'm fried. I have health issues. I want to spend time with my family. I want to be a better person. All right, well, congratulations. Look at what you did after you wanted to become a better person because you're still a terrible person. Right? Like, look at what you did after you claimed that you needed time off to recharge and be better at your job. You still made the same mistakes. And then his reaction when this whole thing goes public, again, if you report, is how do I delete those text messages from more than a year ago? How do I, you know, right. how, do, how do I, that, that was his initial reaction to this. Again, according to the investigation, according to the report, it was, you know, it wasn't how do I make this right or it was how do I get rid of these text messages? Exactly. I don't want to get caught. And he got caught, but he's only been suspended three games. Definitely not enough. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Sorry, Seth. That report really painted him as as just negligible and incompetent. Yeah, didn't it? I don't want to know. I don't want to know, and I'm going to have or selective gonna do, memory loss. Or I'm going to do the bare minimum. Yep. I, you know, I'll report it, but I'm going to do the bare minimum. Should have fired the guy. They should have. Should, it should have never rehired the guy after this went down in two thousand nine. Should have never brought him with him to Ohio State. Um, but, yeah, the Buckeyes took the easy way out. We do need to take a timeout. Full lines open the rest of the way. Today's business on the way after this. You're listening to ESPN Radio.